I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Well, a beautiful afternoon for a good game of football now, and it looks as though we have the makings of it. Barnes has come in. Oh, a fine goal by John Barnes. That's a beauty. Welcome to the Watford Buzz Podcast. My name's Tom Bedell, and yes, you've guessed it, there's no Matt today. He's away with, possibly with James Morris, somewhere where there's no internet, but I am joined by the always excellent Jordan Weimer, and we'll begin by looking back on that Boxing Day massacre against the Rocking Robins. But we started to see some um, some cohesion, some some structure to the team, offense, offensively and defensively. This one, I think, was the first time we were kind of showing a little bit of a different look by a team. You know, we're at home, a little bit of an onus there, obviously, on us, especially against a team that are, you know, not, well, it's not like he's struggling, they're eighth, they're doing well, but, you know, mm. a team that, you know, had, had a poor start to the year in some respects, and you'd expect us to be able to be confident at home that we can start to control the game and, and kind of look to be a little bit more dominant. But, you know, Bristol was smart in the way they played us. They had done their homework, clearly. And I'd say, you know, the performance on the pitch, there was some, some obviously some individual errors, didn't go according to plan in some places, but also I think from the sideline, um, we were also outplayed as well. Mm. Let's talk about the fact they've done their homework. I think that was said by a lot of people on, on Twitter and what have you. What was it that you saw that kind of indicated that? Where was it that they had real joy on the day? Well, I think you know. I think the press, their pressure, their their closing down, their timing was really good. You know, we we turned the ball over a lot. I think they did a good job of assessing our strong points. You know, you, you look at the kind of look over the last. Well, I mean, they could say the whole season, but especially the last five or so games, the left hand side, that kind of trio of um, of Lewis, Semmer, and Kone, kind of drifting over there, has been very effective for us. They did a great job of shutting that down. Um, they're really disciplined in their in their timing of their press. They were able to to make it uncomfortable for us and and force us to play in areas we're not particularly adept at. Um, you know, we tried to get around it sometimes, and obviously we we paid the price. And others where we weren't able to, and we we did turn the ball over quite a lot. Um, and you know, when they did turn the ball, they were quite confident. You know, they, they moved it around quite nicely, and they were they were happy to be in control of the football. And I'd say for large parts of the game, we looked a little bit lost and just kind of didn't know how to react to mm. to Bristol. It just felt like one of those games where 
Um, you the, the the main preparation is on continuing your style of play and not too much have gone into necessarily adapting to to what Bristol City were going to offer. Um, but yeah, really good performance from them, and I thought um, I thought it was uh, it was quite unfortunate that we had to uh, to witness that on Boxing Day. <laughs> yeah, um, perhaps it was written in the stars. Bristol City have lost their last five away Boxing Day games. Their last away Boxing Day win at Vicarage Road in two thousand and eight, which I can remember going Marvelous. to, and yeah, and being pretty uh, pretty unimpressed at that one. Two, they seem to have a lot of joint. You mentioned obviously the left hand side there, and Lewis, Semmer, and Kone. They seem to have a lot of joy down the flanks in general. It wasn't a good day for our full backs, and, and obviously both of them, the starters, Ryan Andrews and Jamal Lewis, came off. How worried are we about that? Yeah, I mean, Andrews was apparently tactical. He had pro- he didn't have a great game, did he? Cameron did, Pring kind of had him. Had his number all game, and I, I thought they used their left their left hand side was very good, yeah, and, you know, and, and the right side, Mark Sykes, Metti was dangerous, and Pring offered that really nice kind of natural width down the left. You know, just really, they just looked really well coached and looked like a team that um, were able to kind of utilize their strong points. And you, you know, you point out there, Lewis and Andrews, obviously, you know, not a great performance from Andrews, but the, the more worrying thing is the the injury to Lewis. You know, he came off relatively comfortably um he wasn't you know he didn't have two physios either side of him kind of hopping off the pitch his hamstring yeah. injury i think he's going to miss a couple of games probably um i think if you if you're coming off with a hamstring injury in a game you're most likely not going to be in a, in a situation where you feel ready to start a game in, in, in just a few days time so i think you can definitely rule him out which is a big concern because that left side is is difficult for us. I think what we're most likely gonna see is probably how we ended up um yeah. Ken down to left back and and go from there. I just think I think that's the natural the natural kind of progression there. I don't think we're gonna see Morris. He's not really been around the squad, even though we do seem to have well Valerius uh, seems to have kind of favoured a little bit of rotation or at least kind of trying to where he can, you know, even the likes of Tom Dele Bashiru in for Andrews in the last game. So, you know, Morris hasn't been around at all. I would expect that Ken Semmer's the the one to, to deputise. Yeah, absolutely. It seemed to me that we obviously struggled throughout in the wide areas, as I said, but particularly once Semmer moved back there, the goal arrives um, at a kind of key moment where, where essentially Semmer's out of position and, and we're kind of caught at, at sixes and sevens. How confident are we about Semmer at left back if we have to do it for a, you know a few weeks? He's, he's done it before, obviously, and he never lets anyone down, mm. as we know. But it does have a an impact on everything, I think, doesn't it? Because he has linked up so well with Jamal Lewis down that left hand side, having two natural left footers, and that that will change. Yeah, no, I really, I I really like, I really start to enjoy kind of Lewis's ability to to operate in that left hand side. I think he works quite well with Hoot as well. Um, mm. But he just know. I think his timing of the runs, you know, whether it be underlapping or kind of dropping into that inverted position, I think he's quite good at it. I think maybe it goes a little bit under the radar how useful he is there because he plays as such a direct player like Ken Semmer, who's capable of getting his head down, outpowering the fullback and getting a cross in. You know, sometimes Lewis's um, performances are not quite as um, maybe not capitalized on the way they could be in terms of that that link up as, as effective as that left side has been. So. It is a bit of a shame um, having Ken drop in there. You know, the thing I always worry about Ken is I, I don't positioning can be an issue. He can get you know dragged yeah. a little high sometimes, and it's the free kicks around the edge of the box. And I think that's the one to keep an eye on for the next game. The free kicks around the edge of the box and Ken Semmer on that left is always a problem for us when he plays 
um, in the wing back position or at, at left back as well, and that that's not great for me. Um, also, don't love you know we talk about Wesley Hoot as a, as a defender. Oftentimes, when we, we talk about negatives in him, it can be an individual mistake, but it can also be that stiffness in the box or around the box, you know, getting turned. I mean, he has to kind of play against that winger. If that winger drifts inside and he's on him, that's when I'm a little bit concerned. And, you know, losing that more traditional left back and having someone fill in there, I'm a little bit worried about, about Wesley Hoot being a bit more exposed in, in this one too. So I think that there are two kind of points on that position to keep an eye on. But, um, you know, if you want to talk about positives, then you'd expect Martins to come in and see that left-hand side as it finished, as I said. And I think, you know, if Ken's able to get forward, which you expect him to do uh, on, on occasion, you know, you might I think we'll maybe see a little bit less of that inversion, but allow him to get on that outside, whip the ball in and allow Martins to, to kind of drift in that right-hand side. So it could be effective in, in, in offensive um, uh, plays, but it might be a little bit chaotic at times. What, what about you? Are you <laughs> feeling confident on the, uh, the summer drop back? Yeah, it's not my favourite position for him, obviously. I think the positioning, as you said, is, is the one, isn't it? Because And we'll touch upon this as going to be my next point about the kind of goals we conceded yesterday. It is a, a, a kind of concern with him, I think. And it's understandable, right? He's, you know, you wouldn't, you'd never consider him a conventional left back. You may be a push, get away with him being a left wing back, but um, with that extra bit of protection inside there. But it's it's not his position. And I do, and I do think we've really come to appreciate the value of him further forward this season, having that left footer on the left-hand side, to have the variety in the play of someone who goes outside and someone who goes inside on the opposing flank. And you would reasonably assume if Semmer's the one to go to left-back, then it'll be Mateus Martins who comes in on the left uh, for the Stoke game. And we know, as good as he is, that he's very predictable in that sense, that he go he goes inside. So you kind of lack width there. So I think that makes us a little bit easier to play against as well, doesn't it? Um, which is mm. which is a concern that might not be immediately apparent. Um, the goals we conceded I mean, touched upon the job that Bristol City did, and I think there are a lot of people giving Liam Manning credit for the way he set them up and, and so on and kind of outcoached uh, Ismail on the day. The goals we conceded, though, I mean, you know, take your pick. They were all pretty avoidable, pretty poor errors in some part of them. What and and the timing, of course, of the second just before yeah. half time, and the third just after we got a goal back. Was it just a bad, an element of bad day at the office, or is or is there something there that kind of concerns you, bigger picture? Um, I think kind of what we touched on before. You know, I think probably a mixture of both. Um, but I, I think the 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 lack of or the time it took to adapt to a side who clearly had put in considerable amounts of effort to disrupt what we do well um to uh, i mean i guess it's the cliche of plan b and so on but even just a few adjustments and, and to be fair i think we did make the adjustment i think we were better the second half um yeah. i think we did try to make the adjustment. but the timing as you as you mentioned there that that third goal i think that really was the gut punch obviously um you know it doesn't help either to have one just before half time but um I think we should have maybe been a little bit more conscious of the fact that that's how Bristol were going to come and try and play us. They were a bit different to how they normally operate, but you know you've, you've got to be consider you've got to be considering the fact that that teams will be looking at the same amount of footage we're looking of at them. They're kind of doing the same to us, and you know exactly. it doesn't take watching Watford too much to see where their strengths and weaknesses are. Um, and I think they capitalised on that well. You know they they put they put players under pressure. Um, they closed down a lot of those kind of avenues forward that we're very reliant upon generally. 
I don't think we did enough of the fullbacks to to kind of expose that and, and kind of create that extra space like we like to in, in kind of the inverted positions. We didn't really consistently stick to it to the point where um, we were able to play through that press. And that I think especially not helped when Andrews didn't have a particularly good game. Obviously, we tried to remedy that quite quickly. But well, I think we have to just be a little bit more on top of these sorts of fixtures. And I think also we kind of can't really get away from the fact that Bristol really just played quite well as well. You know, that's... Yeah. I think on the day they're they're not that far from us in terms of um, ability in certain positions and as a team as a collective I think they're you know we're we're quite a similar at quite a similar level and they're probably not if not you know, on the day obviously a bit better mm-hmm. so it's um yeah it's just a, it's a game that felt like a a fair loss but there, there's lots of things we could be doing better and I think that comes down to defensively but also you know offensively too we could we could be more effective. So obviously we touched on the the enforced change with Jamal Lewis Andrews came off and wasn't having the best game. And Jake Livermore came off at half-time, which meant Kayembe moving back into that kind of holding midfield spot that we've seen him in before. Tom Dedebashiri, the man's come on it right back. Both changes which, with the benefit of hindsight, which is, of course, 2020, uh, caused us problems. What was your view of kind of Ishmael's decision-making and, and how, how he set the team up and reacted on on the day? Yeah, I mean, I think the, I think kind of I touched on there with with Tondale Bashiro and 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 Andrews to kind of having someone that can maybe be a little bit more comfortable in those central positions to play with the ball. We saw Dele Bashiro on the ball quite a lot when he came on, and they were trying to kind of find that as an avenue to success. You know, find your way through the lines. Um, you need someone that can play the ball there, and, and Tom did try and do that. So I understand that. I did really feel at halftime that the change with Livermore was going to happen. We're going to see Kambe drop in. Um, it felt like something that Ismail was going to do, you know, just because, well, I mean, overall, we weren't able to, to play through them. We were struggling to, to kind of find any joy with the two eights. You know, that's obviously generally quite a driving force and quite a highlight of this team. You talked about Kone and KMB a lot and they were not involved. They were not active for large spells of that game yeah. because simply we weren't, we weren't able to find them. Um, and I, it felt like a game we needed that direct presence through the centre. Um, and ball carrying ability in particular, because if you can't you can't pass through them, you can run at them, and that's something which you know we had options on the bench with the likes of uh, Shakratadze and um, and Martins as well that came on, and they give you that ability to to drive at them and and just kind of disrupt their game plan a little bit. And I think that was a smart move. Obviously, it paid off quite quickly um, with Georgie there, able to get on and, and, and offer something. And we saw in the previous game against Blackburn when he came on, he was a real game changer in that exact regard. So. You know, you could argue: Are you better off just leaving Livermore in that position and not and not dropping Camby in? I think they, I think probably Isman knew the amount of work that's going to have to go through that that team now, the, the amount of effort that's going to have to go into that game to try and drag anything back. Um, and you know, obviously Camby's got a little bit more in terms of in the, in the tank there than Livermore, but we saw the same mistakes we talk about with Camby. You kind of wish that we had, you know, say an Imran loser who. You know, whilst mm-hmm. neither of them are defensive midfielders, someone that could drop in there and be that defensive wall, we're not looking for that now. We want that springboard from the back. We need that quickness in possession, um, tempo in possession, um, and ability on the ball, confidence and timing. And I think that's one thing we've seen with Kambi in that number six role. He's too slow on the ball. He, he he's not he's not the same player as when he plays further forwards. Um, mm-hmm. He takes too many touches. He's not confident in his in his release of the ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he looks a completely different player, and it, it, it punishes you. We saw it in the build-up to um, was it the third goal? You know, losing was, possession yeah. in poor areas, and uh, it cost you. And we, you know, this is something we've been talking about for 
well, for you know, the best part of a year, he's not a defensive midfielder. He's not a number six. You need him more advanced. So whilst I understand it, I think the, the players he brought on were correct in in a lot of ways. I think there's definitely an argument for um, you know exploring something different in that position. And, you know, that probably is something that transfers into the transfer window too, I imagine. Yeah, just wonder on that. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps to detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I was going to mention it a bit later, but you've led me into it nicely. Do we look at doing some business there now? Because I think we've seen over the course of a couple of games at right back that Tom Deli Bashiru is game, but not going to be able to kind of get up to the level required anytime soon. We don't know how far Ngakia is. And as you said earlier, Morris has been kind of just a non-entity now really for months, hasn't he? Um, if Jamal Lewis is out for any length of time, those suddenly feel like the, the spots where we're lightest. Would, would those be things that you would like to see us do? And, and do you think we would do anything in those areas in the next month? Yeah, I still think we're in a relatively... I, I think, I imagine our strategy is still going to be relatively opportunistic. I think we'll have areas that we want to address i'm not sure how aggressive we're going to be in pursuing a particular spot right now you know i think okay. we'd we'd like to we'd like to for sure but uh, i'm not I, I don't know i don't know if i it's very hard to say too because the situation of our backroom staff right now our, our kind of recruitment guys and the, the change in technical director and so on it's been quite turbulent in that regard so our transfer policy business and approach is a little bit up in the air you know i think if you're if you're a man you look at this team you're obviously saying that fullbacks you've got a problem um, you know, yesterday with Canberra having to drop in kind of highlights the the kind of 
rigidness of your options in in that position too because you know it wasn't it wasn't a like for like we try to change kind of a tactical change more than anything and we weren't able to to execute we just didn't really have the personnel to do so you know you've got as we've, we've talked about already we've got a talented player like Imran Loser and you sat on the bench oh sorry sat at home on the couch you know he's not he's not able to contribute in a, in a game where you need him so it's uh, it, there's lots of areas we could address whether or not we will do is, is going to be a question but I think we'll be we'll be looking for sure Another one is up front. Mileta Rajevic did not have his best game again. You tweeted, I think it was at half time, his kind of numbers up to that point, mm. which didn't make particularly impressive reading. And I think the one thing that sticks out for me, Reese Healy in his kind of 25 minutes had two touches in the opposing box. Mileta Rajevic had one uh, in 78 mm. minutes. So, sort of, you know, more than twice the time. Uh, <sighs> It feels like a bit like Daniel Backman, this Groundhog Day with this one, just over and over and over and over. But what did we make of his display? Have we learned anything? Has anything changed? Has there been any kind of hint of improvement over the kind of four months that he's been here to suggest that he can? Or are we just banging our heads against the wall here? I mean, look, I'm not going to write the guy off. You know, I'm not going to say he can't do it. But what he's... I've not seen a ton of improvement. You know, he's... We kind of feel a little bit stuck in that that cycle of he comes off the bench, contributes, scores a goal, earns a start the next week, doesn't contribute, gets hooked. We kind of get in this cycle of you know he'll come off the bench and score because that's that's the time we need him to score. You know we're obviously being a little bit more aggressive, we're getting the ball in the box a little bit more. He's able to capitalise, but in open general play, just not a contributor. You know he's it's not only that he's not really available to to receive the ball. You know he had. I think 10 passes in, in the entire game, but he had, as you mentioned there, the touches were low, 19 touches all game, which isn't a great deal for, for an 80-minute spell. Um, you know, one shot the entire match, kind of a, a, a kind of slight, slightly soft header, wasn't it, in the in the second half? No real That's threat right. posed. Um, but the thing is, it's not... They're kind of the raw surface-level numbers, which are obviously important, but you're also looking at... You know, what's he doing to that back line? Is he is he is he opening space up for your players? Is he is he driving forward? Is he making runs? Is he making the, the day difficult for the two centre backs? Not particularly. No. He's not stretching anything. He's not um, he's not really finding ways to bring others into play. If you're going to have a striker that's that's not doing much in in build up in possession, then they've got to be they've got to be working almost as a defensive player, um, or just at least threatening and, and causing enough disruption across that back line. But he's he's quite inactive in that regard too. I also think he's just not physically. I don't think he's he's a great athlete. Um, I know he's tall, but he mm. doesn't he doesn't use his size particularly no. well. Um, I, I don't. I don't see him doing that, and it's it's a shame. I think that's maybe something. I think that's the kind of area of his game that you could coach. You know, um, that ability to use his size a little bit more. You know, make him a little bit of a better athlete. Um, create a little bit more burst from him. Get a little bit more physicality from him because he's he's relative. He's relatively slight for his for his height and so on. I think he could be a little bit more physical and and be a little bit more dominant there to at least give us a different avenue. Um, because right now I'm just seeing a very 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 one dimensional player um, to the point where. I just the goals are coming. Uh, obviously, he's, he's he's scored, but I just don't think. I think your overall probability of scoring goes down, even though he's scoring goals. You know, mm. I think Rajevic takes away a lot of threat in a game. Um, that's a good I think way that, of looking at it. I think there's a problem. Yeah, no, I think. How that's about a you? Good... Was it was it underwhelming for you too? Oh yeah, massively, massively. As you say. Uh, it, 
there's a bit of a philosophical argument, isn't there? They go, well, on one hand, he's scoring and he's scoring at a good rate given his minutes because he's in and out of the team and so on and so forth. And, you know, as a striker, you are ultimately reliant on your teammates to create chances to an extent. I think strikers these days, though, are expected to do more than that, aren't they? And as you say, it's you can again, you can get away with it if you're... Um, if you're a foil for someone else or you do a really valuable job, a really invaluable job that might not get the recognition of scoring goals. You know, you look at Emil Heskey, how fashionable he was kind of late into his career as a striker who really didn't score goals or offer much goal threat, but he was so good to play off in a two. Michael Owen loved playing off him, for example. Um, you, you know, you look at other strikers who kind of do that defensive work, pressure in the front, whatever it may be, but he just doesn't do any of these things. And, I think the kind of sum is that if he doesn't score, then he you are effectively carrying a dead weight, aren't you? And he's not going to score every week because he's not that good. So, and we're not that good at creating chances for him. So, yeah, I think I think we are a bit like Daniel Backman, destined to kind of have this debate for for a while yet, yeah, forever and ever potentially. Um, one other player I wanted to focus on specifically, you mentioned him by name a minute ago, but Georgie Chakvatadze. Played off the bench against Blackburn and did well, came off the bench here and scored a goal. He's obviously had to be very patient and waiting for his chance. Are we seeing a little bit more consistency from him in terms of end product and, and how he can help the team? Yeah, I think you know, I think his performance at Blackburn especially was really, really one that might go a little bit under the radar, but really positive. And I think he was a real driving force for that. That comeback, you know, I think the last time, I think the last time we saw him start was it Sunderland away? Is that? I'm trying to think because that was a that little... rings a bell, certainly, yeah. Okay, so you know that's that was a time where the team was playing quite differently, and I think having him kind of introduced a little bit earlier helps, you know, in a slightly different circumstance. But there's a lot of positives he offers, and I think we could definitely get more out of him. It just we haven't quite been. I mean, look, we haven't. We've been using him more centrally. We've not been kind of seeing him in the wide position. That is a potential area for him to to be of use. I think the problem is our two number eights up until this game have been playing so well. It's hard to really justify bringing him in there. It's a very different type of player. Um, I think you might look at Kone and, and Kayembe as offering you a bit more of a full package, um, able to to kind of do a little bit more work off the ball and and give you a little bit more mobility at times. Not that Chakvetaze isn't fast, but just the ability to drive with power as well, which Kayembe and Kone can both do. You know, you looking at Chakvetaze is a little bit more, a little slighter, a little little, little trickier, um, a little bit more offensively minded. So you know, there's maybe a bit more of a time and a place for him. However. I do think when you're looking at games, especially against teams that are going to play you in a in a less dominant style, you know you're not going to be that counter-attacking team. You could you could find ways to get him involved that will benefit the side. And I think his energy, his his offensive mind, is is something we could definitely use a little bit more, especially when we're kind of not really firing in all cylinders. So I, I think there's a good role for him in this team still. And I, if I was him, I would be I would be feeling I'm I'm definitely getting closer to to kind of getting into that team and earning earning another start. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I think we've we've said it before, the kind of the way the midfield has changed. People were writing you off a little bit and there was the story I think floating around last week about how he was wanted by another club and I think was it um was it Shot Avaladze, the no, who's the Georgia manager? Is it Georgie King Cladze? Someone. Who well, this is a terrible bit of commentary, isn't it? Whoever the Georgia manager is was sort of saying, you know, he needs to leave and play regularly, doesn't he? But 
I think suddenly, you know, that opportunity's opened up and we've seen it a few times with a few players this season. I, I think you can't be, you can be too quick to um, to write these these players off in, uh, in in Ishmael's team because they are pretty, he's been pretty, um, pretty kind of meritocratic, hasn't he, in, in the way he picks mm. people and, we, and, and you know, no one knows that, I guess, more than Imran Luzer, who's out on the, out in the cold at the moment. It's not Shotterad Valadze, who's the coach at the moment. It's a bloke I've uh, never, uh, not never heard of, Willy Sagnol, who was obviously Bayern Munich and France fallback. Uh, I thought it was Shotterad Valadze. It was evidently him commenting on the situation. Um, go on, you sound like you're about to say something there, or were you not? No, 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 no. no it's all, all good. Going, all yeah. good. Okay, fine. Well, look, I think that's it in terms of Bristol City. Was there anything else you wanted to add on Bristol City? And then we'll just do a, the, the, the briefest touch on Blackburn, or are you set? No, no, I think that's I think that's good. You know, I think that's that's kind of the basis. It's just, just a little bit more of a difficult difficult game for us, and it's one we, I'm curious to see how we how we try and address the the issues and, and and move on. Yeah. So Blackburn, then very quickly, I have to admit I didn't watch this one, and I said to you before we started recording, I was out the entire day on Saturday. Saw that we went one 0 down. Missed the goal notifications to say that we'd won it, and when I tuned into Do Not Scratch Your Eyes Twitter Space afterwards was taken aback to hear how positive people were about what I presumed to be a 1-0 defeat. Uh, Lone behold, we won 2-1. Late goals from Mileta Rajevic and Reese Healy. What were your kind of thoughts after this one, John? Two away wins in a week, both mm. in the northwest. Seven goals scored. Happy days. Yeah, and I, you know, I think it was a disappointing goal that we conceded in that one too, but yeah. it's just the, the character of the team, you know, just showing a little bit of spirit, a little bit of fight, belief in the ability to come back, you know, players stepping up to the plate, taking on responsibility, which is something we've not seen for a long time. So, again, those those sorts of games, those performances, the likes of Preston, Blackburn, both comeback games, you know, it gives you a little bit more hope that, that games like the, the Bristol one can, can have less of a hangover going into the Stoke game. There are positives to take from it, you know. As, as much as there's negatives in the Bristol game, there's positives from the, the previous two, and I think Blackburn. You know, it's a game we'll look back on and say that we we got to learn a little bit about the team, about some of the individuals, and uh, and some something to do with uh, sorry, a little bit about the coach as well. Um, yeah, no, it was it was a, it was a fun game as well, which was which was a nice way to uh, to kick off the uh, Christmas festivities. Just finally, also, actually, one thing. Go sorry, on. one thing I will. Sorry, one last thing I did want to comment on in regards to the Bristol game. They were kind of going back and forth a little bit, but That's it just right. kind of came to my mind. Um, one positive, which I think, which also kind of goes into the Blackburn game too. I think we saw a lot more from um, Yasser Espria when he came against Blackburn was really, really good. Um, mm-hmm. He he was a, a game changer. I think he even won man of the match potentially um, for his performance after coming off the bench. Um, mm-hmm. I thought yesterday, I thought his work rate off the ball was, was far better. He looks like he's starting to kind of come to terms and, and, and get used to the physical side defensively um, of the game and, and throw himself about a little bit more. And I thought that was a, a standout. He looked like a much more um, a much more mature version of, of Aspria in terms of his all-round game. So I thought that was good to see. Um, that was one of the few um, pluses there. But his effect in, in the Blackburn game offensively was also very good. And that's that's something to be positive about because he's a, he's a young player that's been inconsistent, a little bit up and down, but potentially we're starting to see some um, some more consistent form come out of him as well. Nice. My final question to you had been going to be who kind of impressed against Blackburn that we should know about. So Aspria aside, was there, was there anyone else that caught your eye at Ewood Park? Um, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think... Uh, uh, I think 
that there was plenty of decent performance. I think it was more as a, as a collective. I think Shaq for Tadzo would be the one I'd say mm-hmm. off the bench. Um, I'd, I'd go for him and just in terms of that ability to come on, drive forwards. Obviously, I mentioned Yash- Yashir Spria there, but that that ability to give you that direct transition from attack from defense to attack, be that link. You know, you can you can drop the ball to him around the center circle. He can get you to the edge of the box quite consistently. You know, you can you can commit players. You can open things up, and oftentimes we can. If there's a criticism of, of our build-up play, our football, we can get a little bit stuck in in traps. We have to find that space behind teams. You know, you look at thing about Ken Sema Martins on the right in this game. They want to try and get in behind and find that space to, to isolate, get one-on-one, use that pace and power. If we if those avenues are closed off a little bit, someone like Shafer Tadzik who can come on and really drive the ball, be a little bit more tricky and find that space and in more acute angles between players is really effective. And I thought he was he was great at doing that for us. So he'd be the one that I'd say. Sean in that game brilliant thank you Jordan well thank you for listening to the latest episode of Watford Buzz over Christmas hopefully get you away from your in-laws or family or whatever it is for, for half an hour we'll uh, no, nothing don't read anything into that we'll be back hopefully after the next couple of games of course Stoke at home before that long trip to Plymouth on New Year's Day if we don't speak before then have a fantastic New Year and a happy and healthy 24 to all our listeners and Watford fans and we should look forward to speaking again in the new year see you soon planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.